0: My name is Don, and I've been a Catholic priest for over 50 years. During that time, I've pondered these readings over and over again and have discovered something that I never saw there before. It's given me new hope, new energy, new image of what I do and how I do it. I pray the message that I'm sending you will be equally valuable to you if you find it so. Please share these podcasts with your friends. Thank you. Today we celebrate the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the Opening Prayer. Draw near to your servants, O Lord, and answer their prayers with unceasing kindness, that for those who glory in you as their Creator and Guide, you may restore what you have created, and keep safe what you have restored. To our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah, 55th chapter, 1st through the 3rd verse. Thus says the Lord, All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You have no money. Come and receive grain and eat. Come without paying, without cost. Drink wine and milk. Why spend your money for what is not bread, your wages for what fails to satisfy? Heed me, and you shall eat well. You shall delight in rich fare. Come to me heedfully, listen, that you may have life. I will renew with you the everlasting covenant, the benefits assured to David. The Word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm, The Hand of the Lord Feeds Us, He Answers All Our Needs. A reading from the New Testament, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, 8th chapter, 35th verse, and the 37th to the 39th verse. Brothers and sisters, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Now in all these things we conquer overwhelmingly through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of the Lord. a verse, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Gospel for this Sunday is taken from St. Matthew, 14th chapter, 13th to 21st verse. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place. It is already late. Dismiss the crowds so that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, There is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up the fragments left over, twelve wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about five thousand men, not counting women and children. A piece entitled, Seek to Serve, was performed by the choirs of Our Lady Guadalupe Cathedral in downtown Dallas. Mickey Aiken was conducting. Time is such a strange thing. I turned 80 years old this year. It seems strange to be 80. (laughs) I don't feel 80. I don't feel that much different than I felt maybe about myself in my, when I was in my you know 70s, 60s, 50s. But I know I've changed a great deal. But when I go back thinking, when I entered a seminary, actually it was 60 years ago, immediately after, uh, well, before the council, the Vatican council, which so much changed the focus of the church. And I remember the things that we studied Um, the core of the curriculum was pretty simple. Toward the end of your theology training, those last four years, you were focusing very much on theology, who is God, and moral theology, what does he ask of us, and what are the rules and laws that are built into our heart, and the history of the church. There wasn't any course on spirituality, which there probably is today. Nor was there a big emphasis on scripture, It was more about church doctrine rather than going to scripture, which was probably typical of the church before the council. The scripture was the work of the church to interpret what it meant and it would tell us what it meant. And and we were not necessarily, certainly if you go back in history not too long ago, we were never encouraged to read the Bible as Catholics on our own because we would be too prone to misunderstanding it. And there's a little bit of wisdom in that, also, not much trust in human nature, but it, the 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 danger is if what scripture is is it's such a strange, wonderful piece of literature and and truth and wisdom and infused words with spirit. And one of the things that it reveals is a God who revealed himself slowly over time, and the God who was presented to, let's say, Abraham and the, and and to Moses when he was guiding the people is not, the, is, 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 not quietly, is not fully who He was because there's no way to understand God the Father without understanding Jesus. And Jesus is the final piece, the final keystone that holds it all together, and it's not until you see God incarnate in a human being that you begin to understand who He is. And who he is is sometimes so radically different than what a story from the Old Testament might imply. For the Old Testament, it seems he was more likely to be someone who was angry when we failed, who was judgmental, who had a short fuse, who lost his patience, who often wanted to destroy everybody because he was so frustrated with their their hard-heartedness, their egos that wouldn't change. I mean, all of that is in there, and, it, and the frightening thing about being a preacher, and it teacher of scripture to the people and that's what a homily does Uh, the word homily means a reflection on scripture sermon is a topic uh, a religious topic in a a talk but we we were taught after the council no it's got to be a homily and the homily has to go to the scripture and dig into it and break it open and make it real in terms of today's world and that's what i struggle to do and it's 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 such a, a strange thing because if you are not sensitive to trying to constantly to stay with the fullness of the message through Jesus, you can come up with a God that is really scary. And many people do. And you know that fear is one of the greatest motivators that human nature has. So I mean, it's easy to see if our religious leader and I wanted to get the people to stop doing something, I would tell them, you don't stop, you die. He's going to cast you into hell. And yet in the New Testament you see Jesus so clearly making it so well making, cle- making sure that we see who He is and He is forgiveness and He is never, ever intending to condemn. never. He is not condemning people to hell. People are condemning themselves by their actions to hell. But His intention always is not to punish, the sinner, but to save him or her, to transform them. And so you can see so beautifully in the ministry of Jesus, his, his servant heart, he wants more than anything to, to create for us a world that he has intended us to have in, and is supposed to be good, wonderful, life-giving, not painless, not easy, but wonderful. And so I want to start with this set of readings because it, 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 it seems that it, it to understand it properly, you need to have one thing on board, and that is an understanding of who God is in terms of what is he doing with you and with me, what does he long to see change in you and me. And it's not to get us to stop sinning. It's a byproduct. And what you need to then understand, if you're going to respond to this intention of God, you need to have some clue or some kind of sense of who you are, what really satisfies you. And then you would hear very differently, I think, this set of readings, particularly because it strikes me that the first reading is saying something very, very clear, To the heart in fact most all the things that jesus teaches when he teaches us about our nature he's going to rely upon our heart to know what he's talking about the mind has a really hard time accepting someone else's insight someone else's way of seeing when it feels it sees already exactly what is and it's bad it's pattern its life after all that it thinks and so when you're asking somebody to change who You know, change what they think, you're really in many ways saying, I want you to change and be someone you're not. And if that person you think you're supposed to be is your full identity, then it's like someone saying, well, I want you to die. I want you to, that part of you dies. And that's why we have as the core of what this transformation is about is a thing called crucifixion. Something has to die. And what Jesus was doing, it seems to me so clearly when he accepted the plan of the Father that he would have to give up his whole ministry and his 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 desire to change the world and he had as a man and as an ego, he had to have a lot of plans that went way beyond those three years. And when he found out that he was going to be asked to leave it, when it was just taking root, I mean it was just like these seeds he planted in in the human race were just just beginning to germinate. And he felt he, he had to nurture that. And, and the father said, no, this is all I need from you. And I want you to surrender to this. And I want you to teach them something about, about the way I work. And the way I work is I need you. I create you because I need you to be an instrument of saving people, helping people, feeding people, freeing people from shame and guilt and fear. That's what I need you for. That's what you're made for. So in a way, it was asking Jesus to stop what he was doing, even though he just began and surrender to a plan that was bigger than he was. And the ego had to resist that. And that's why he said no two times before he finally said, okay, Father, if this is really what you want, then I'll do it because I surrender myself to you because I know the only thing you would ever do would be for me for my work, for my intention? And he said, yes. So we need to basically understand that what God is intending to do is move us from an um, egocentric part of our, our our being that is able to create a world, and when we create it, we're in it. That's what's so scary about the brain. If it's the world's a frightening place, it is frightening to you. If you see it as a, a challenging, wonderful um catalyst to help you grow and change and develop and then that's what it is and one is stressful and frightening and hard on us the other is natural and it brings about peace so we have to get those two things in sync so it means we have to develop our heart and tame a little bit the mind though they're both so essential so let's look at this first reading because it's from isaiah it's a long time ago isaiah is one of those Books in the Bible that probably if you could only read one part of the Old Testament it would be the best because it's always predicting the things that Jesus is going to bring into the world. And so there's this image of God the Father that is radically different than, say, the story about Moses and the law and the tablets and God being so frustrated with the, with the people that he wanted to kill them all. And Moses talks him out of it. That That's one God, you know. Seems very different than this one because Isaiah is saying, No, this God is making a promise to you, and what maybe he was implying to the people, this promise is not yet fulfilled, and it won't come until the Messiah comes. But what I'm promising you is every single thing you need, everything you want, to live your life as fully as it was intended to be, and experience the peace and the joy and the enthusiasm that comes into someone's life when they're so their life is effective. That's what we want. And he said, well, if, you know, what I want you to is, is believe that whatever it takes for you to do that, I'm giving it to you. So don't think that you have to go out and get the things that you need to be able to live this kind of surrendering to reality and to my will and to my ways. No, I have covered all that you might need to do in order to evolve high enough to be able to see this message. It's called redemption. He did it for us. So these images are so beautiful. You know, there's, don't don't work for anything. This is all there. It's all a gift. All you have to do is be thirsty. All you have to do is listen and come to me and listen. And it, it even says, you know, to come to me heedfully. And I think what it, that means is the part of you that can heed, listen, can hear and understand this relationship that God wants to have with us in the presence of what it brings to us is only through the heart because the heart can know without figuring it out the mind has to be able to somehow to figure things out and I think you know enough about the difference between the brain and the heart they they're made as a perfect partnership but they operate very differently the mind as I said needs proof and needs you know needs um, something that it can say okay this makes sense to me so I'll believe it and since the mystical world is what God is calling us into you'll never understand how it works i mean it's to angels saints miracles i mean how do you explain that to the mind you can't but the heart heart just takes to it like yes of course i know this works and true The heart will have experience after experience that affirms what it believes. And so there's a way it's sort of giving you proof, but not the same. The brain, brain's different. But I think the most interesting thing about the brain is how it resists someone else's power over them or even with them. God never wants to overpower you, but he wants to empower you. Empowerment means new insights, changes, radical changes. That's... That's hard for the ego, easy for the heart. So the first thing you've got to make sure in this journey, this spirituality that I teach, and the work that we're doing together, you have to understand there's nothing you do to earn it or to work for it. Vatican II made a a profound statement when it said, Holiness is the right of everyone who believes in God. Holiness. In the 40s, 50s, the word holy meant a kind of person that wore a long black dress if they're a woman and, and a black suit and a white little collar. And I mean, to us, the only ones that were holy were the hierarchy and for the, the priests and the nuns because they gave up their life and they didn't take, they were pure. They were sort of separate from the world and, and that made them holy and nothing would be further from the truth. I mean, they they were, could be holy, but it's not the only way you do it. In fact, it seems more exciting to me, though I don't take anything away from those kinds of strict ways of life, but but just to be engaged in everything with this wisdom inside of you is wonderful. So once you have it, Paul goes on to say, look, nothing that's difficult, nothing that's hard is going to separate you from this, this gift. And it's funny because you look at, Old Testament, it's almost if God is taking care of their needs, they believe in Him. If He doesn't make their life comfortable, He loses it. So that's what this is referring to. Don't don't base your faith in God in terms of your comfort level. But then the gospel, which is so beautiful and so wonderful and so intriguing. What's Jesus teaching when he's there? John the Baptist has just died. He must have been extremely reflective and he goes away to be, safe, to be quiet and be by himself. And of course the crowds come. He needs solitude. He needs to be away from the world, but the world craw- cries for him, come feed us, feed us, we're hungry. And so he does, but he says something so powerful. I will feed you, don't worry but I won't be with you always. So what I'm doing is I am promising you that I will dwell in each of you and in the, my indwelling presence will be food to everyone around you. And so this story is so powerful when you're looking at it. When Jesus said, I can feed all these people with a miracle, 5,000 with another 3,000 women and children, piece of cake. We'll do it. Well, no, I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. What does that mean? You can do anything with me inside of you. And the most important thing you can be, food to your brothers and sisters. What kind of food? Energy, life, stresslessness, goodness, modeling a way of life that makes so much sense that when we're in that way of life, we're so comfortable and so at ease and so safe. That's the gift of being who we're intended to be. O Cruz Fiel was again performed by the choirs of Our Lady Guadalupe Cathedral in downtown Dallas. Closing prayer. Father, your goodness, your generosity, your mercy are so far beyond our mind to comprehend. But our heart understands. And when we live in that atmosphere, in that environment, in that comfort of that sense of who you are we we find ourselves feeling so much less stress these are such stressful times for us this this virus this how our economy is going so please bless us with a conviction that all of this somehow has purpose and meaning and it's going to bring us to a place of abundant life and we ask this through christ our lord amen I'd like to remind you that the program you just listened to is available on our website, pastorreflectionsinstitute.com, as well as on our podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Finding God in Ourselves. It's free to listen to anywhere, anytime. This ministry also needs your support, so make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website. Thank you so much for your listenership and your continued support, for without it, this program would not be possible. Thank you.